On last week, we saw Moses. Moses made a choice. He made a decision uh, to to follow his divine purpose and his destiny, even though he was raised in Pharaoh's palace by Pharaoh's daughter. Amen. Even though he had the privileges of, of kingship, he knew that he had a destiny to lead God's people out of, out of slavery in Egypt. And so he chose to set aside royalty to go to the backside of the desert to be prepared to bring God's people out of bondage. Amen. So he made the right choice, which y'all agree. And so we're going to look at this familiar passage scripture here because I want to pluck some things out of here to help us to, to understand uh, how uh, when we make the right choice, it'll enable us to win our battles in life. How many of y'all have faced some battles in life? How many of y'all have had some tough situations, some tough scenarios that at the time that you were going through it, you thought you were going to lose your mind? At the time that you were dealing with that thing, you didn't know what to do. At the time that you were going through the middle of that valley experience, you were thinking, where is God in all of this? And so what we got to learn how to do is make the right choice. Amen. Making the right choice. This baby want to preach with me today. You know, <laughs> making the right choice is, 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 is critically important. Amen. So. Second uh, Chronicles, the 20th chapter, verse number one, we're going to see a scenario and you guys know the name Jehoshaphat, which we talked about before. But I want to I want to bring some things out of here because we need to understand how to make the right choices, because when we make those right choices, it'll put us in a position where we can be uh, uh, walking in a way that God is really, truly pleased with our life. Second Chronicles, the 20th chapter, and we begin our reading at verse number one. Our key thought is making the right choice enable us to win our battles in life. Amen. The text says this uh, in Second Chronicles, the 20th chapter, verse number one. It says, after this, we all read with me. It says, well, after this, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Meunites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at Hazazan Tamar. This was another name for En Gedi. Verse 3, Jehoshaphat was terrified. Everybody say he was afraid. Have you ever been afraid in life? Has fear ever gripped you before? Listen, you can be a born-again believer, but sudden fear can all of a sudden uh, begin to infiltrate your, your mind. If you're not careful, it'll get down in your heart. All right, so here, Josephat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. Guys, let me tell you something. Fear will come into your life, but what we got to learn how to do is to manage that fear and not allow that fear to get down in our heart, right? What did Paul tell Timothy? God has not given us the spirit of fear, but what? Power, love, and a sound mind. So the text says, he, and he begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. The text says, so people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek whose help? The Lord's help. Verse 5, verse 3, Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. The text says, he prayed, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. I like what Jehoshaphat is doing here. Jehoshaphat is just, is, is just reminding God who he is as if God had forgotten. God knows who he is. But what he's doing is he's, he's, he's doing like Jesus told us to do when we, when we pray. He says, pray after this, our father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
In other words, you, your name is above every other name. Your name is awesome. You are the God who saved us. You are the God who created us. And I'm going to magnify your name. That's what Jehoshaphat is doing right now. He says, he says oh, oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? He was a friend of God, Abraham was. Look at the next verse. He says this, your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. Verse 10, they said, whenever we are faced with any calamity, such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us, and you'll rescue us. Talking about making the right choice. Now, again, probably like no other time are we more susceptible to making wrong choices than when we are facing a crisis or we are being confronted by the enemy. Would y'all agree? When we're being confronted by the enemy, the, the crisis may be due to an accident. It may be to, due to illness. It may be due to death in the family. It may be due to some criminal act that we were the victim of. It may be due to war. It may be due to a work-related matter. Any of y'all made the wrong choice at work before? Cussed the man out and got fired, but you still had a car note. You still have to pay your mortgage. But see, you, see when, you, when, you, when you didn't handle it the right way, it put more burden on you. Am I right about it? And so, so or, or, or even more likely, we make wrong choices when there's some failure on our own part. We made a choice or a decision, and, and now we, 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 we end up making it worse by lying about it. You know, a lot of times, if you see in the political spectrum, a lot of times, uh, the cover-up is what people get in trouble about more than just the act that they did. How, do you, how many of y'all know you can get in trouble for lying to the FBI? Is that true? By lying to law enforcement officials, you can get in trouble. If you had just told the truth, it would have been better off than making it worse by making the wrong choice to lie about it. Guys, listen to me carefully. No matter what crises we may face, there's some wonderful news for us. I came to bring you good news today, Brother Eric. I came to bring you some news that should stimulate each one of us in here to go out there and run for Jesus, amen, like we never ran from it before, okay? We need to make sure that there's some good news there. There is someone who has the power and who has the resources to deliver us from whatever it is we're going through. Are y'all listening to me today? Someone who can make a way for us to escape. This someone is God himself. Remember what Ephesians 3 and 20 says? It says, now unto him that is able... To do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. And verse 21 of that very same chapter says, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Amen. This well-known story of Jehoshaphat describes one of the greatest battles in the history of Israel. Jehoshaphat, uh, the king of Israel, received word from a friend that the combined armies of three enemy nations were on their way to fight him and to conquer him. These three nations were the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Muonites, and, and, and all were close by just beyond the Jordan River. Now, this story, guys, is, is relevant to each of us because we all face battles each day. Can I get one person to raise their hand and say, Pastor, I got some battles I'm dealing with right now. We all face battles in this life. Just because we are saved does not mean that we're not going to face some issues in life. 
As a matter of fact, I've discovered in my life that the more you run for Jesus, the more you really get serious about being committed from him, committed to him, the enemy gets busy trying to get you to change your mind. The enemy wants you to think that God doesn't want anything to do with you, that, that all that faith stuff and that going to church stuff don't mean a hill of beans, and, and you might as well just not go because it, what good does it do? That's what the enemy is trying to get us to see. But we face these battles every day, financial battles. Huh? Anybody had a financial battle before? Anybody had any money problems? Oh, okay, okay, all right, all right. I'm not saying you're there right now, but if you've ever had any of y'all... Oh, y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. Any of y'all's money been funny before? <laughs> Somebody said always. We got to help you, baby. <laughs> We're going to get you, brother. We don't want you to be always there. Sometimes, sometimes you may be going through a little pinch or a tight, right? Sometimes you may have made a decision that caused you more money. Unexpected stuff. Refrigerator went out. 95 degrees outside. In the month of July, you got to do something. But you didn't have any money set aside to do something. So now there's a financial battle that you got to face, right? Sometimes there are spiritual battles that we face when we're saved but don't feel like coming to church. When we're saved but won't submit ourselves to, to, to pastoral authority and, 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 and come and be disciple. Spiritual battles. We face all kinds of battles in life, right? Not only that, we face marital battles. Anybody had a marital battle before, amen? Uh, yeah. Okay, just nod your head. I know you don't want to raise your hand in the midst of all these folks, but sometimes married folks have battles. Is that right? And some of y'all are real good at covering it. That's good because you don't want to let everybody know all your business. But sometimes, sometimes some of y'all can't. Some of y'all just can't just can't hide it no more. You come in here looking mad, right? Anybody ever came to church mad before with your spouse? Just just raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Come on. I, I, need, I need some freedom here. Y'all, you, I need y'all to be free. So, Sam, you ever came to church mad at me before? I told y'all, like, me? Me? You're married to Noel Adams? You were mad at me? Oh, Lord Jesus. The world getting ready to come to an end, y'all. No, no, but guys, we all, we all face battles. We face situations, work-related battles, relational battles, all kind of battles in our everyday lives. And Jehoshaphat's story illustrates certain crucial spiritual principles that will help us to win the battles of life. How many of y'all want to start winning? How many of y'all want to really embody what Jesus said? He says, the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I have come that you may have life and that you may have that life, what, more abundantly. In other words, Jesus lets us know that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. But we got to start experiencing some victory, y'all. Now, again, let's, 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 let's move down here. What, what are some spiritual principles that, that for overcoming our problems that we can glean from this chapter? And we, we, we're going to skip down through here because I, I, I want to make sure you understand what happened in this story here. But I want to give you these principles so that you and I can begin to walk amen, in them to help us experience victory in our life. Making the right choices when we're facing crisis situations. 
making the right choices. Because again, guys, the decisions that we make have consequences. We get to decide what we're going to do, but it's rare we get to decide what the consequences of what we did ends up being. And so many of us want to choose our own way and then want to choose what the consequences are. There are times, guys, that we have no control over what happens after that decision that we make. Amen? So, so it, would, it would do us well, I think, to learn how to make those right choices because when we make the right choices, it's going to enable us and empower us, amen, to live in a godly way and God will be on our side. So, so look what the first thing I want to look at. First thing is, first spiritual principle is, if, if we're going to overcome our problems, if we're going to begin to put some principles in place, the first thing is we got to identify who the enemy is. Everybody say, identify who the enemy is. Many people simply do not know who their enemy is. As a matter of fact, Paul put it this way. Paul said it, I think, I may, maybe it was in Galatians or Ephesians, one of them, the sixth chapter, the verse, 10 verse. He says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But he says, the KJV says, principalities, power to, powers, uh, you know, spiritual wickedness in high places. And what he's describing there is different classifications of demonic spirits. So as a Christian, as a born again believer, when I'm doing battle, I got to identify what spirit am I dealing with? Because many times we, 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 we think it's that person that we're looking at. Amen. And I, I want to tell you something, before we can start winning our personal battles, battles, we must accurately and honestly identify the enemy. Who's the real enemy, y'all? Yeah, Satan is, right? <laughs> and his demonic spirit. Many times we think that the enemy is a person who's trying to take something from us. Amen? Our job, trying to take our spouse, trying to take our money. But oftentimes the enemy is not only Satan, but an enemy sometimes can be our own attitude. Our own, our own approach to life. Amen? It's not so much the situation that gets us down, but our response to the situation. Because each one of us in here face Similar situations. I think Ecclesiastes said there's nothing new under the sun. Anything that you think that you're facing that nobody's facing, it's been dealt with before. It may be packaged a little differently, but it's the same old stuff. The enemy, if, if, yeah, the enemy is a relentless enemy, but he's a dumb enemy. He keeps doing the same stuff over and over again. But guess what? He may not be as dumb as I think because he keeps doing the same stuff over and over again, and we keep falling for the same stuff over and over again. Hello, brothers, you're going to fall for that trick again? There go the sister. Why you keep falling for that? Hello, you failed five years ago, now you're back at it again? Fellas don't want to talk to me now. Fellas got quiet. Sisters, why are you falling for that same trick again? But pastor, he helps me to pay my bills. Oh, he does. But pastor, if, 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 if I tell him to move out, even though we're just cohabitating, if I tell him to move out, what's I'm going to do? You're going to live and you're going to walk in victory because you're now walking in righteousness. Are y'all listening to me today? See, guys, the enemy keeps doing the same stuff. And if it's working, keep running it. 
I remember in high school, Gary, you remember this, we used to run the veer option. And there were certain teams that we played that couldn't figure out the veer option. And we were running right and left. I remember Mike Douglas said one time, he said, oh, Pastor Adam called. I called my own plays in high school as a freshman. And, uh, uh, and, and we, we would call, we'd call the plays, and I would call veer right and veer left. Veer right, veer left. They can't stop it. I'm going to keep doing it. You know what I mean? In other words, I'm going to keep calling the same play until you stop it. If I'm, if I'm a 6'9", power forward, and I got somebody 5'10 five, five, on me, and they, they keep letting them guard me, keep throwing it down to the 6'9", power forward, let them keep dunking over the 5'10", guard that you got until they do something different. Guys, let me tell you something. The enemy, the enemy keeps doing the same thing because he keeps tripping us up the same way. You keep getting mad at the same point in that argument. Y'all, y'all, y'all start discussing him, and before you get five minutes into it, you hollering again. How are you going to discuss when you don't learn how to, uh, to speak the truth in love? You keep getting bent out of shape. The same old stuff keeps tripping us up. But I'm here to tell you we can have victory in this life. It's, again, it's not so much the situation that gets us down, but our response to the situation. Amen. Notice how Jehoshaphat reacted when he heard about these three nations Coming to attack him. Verse number three. Let's go back to verse three. Talking about making the right choice. And we make those right choices. They enable us to overcome our problematic situation. Verse three. Read with me out loud and on purpose. It says, well, Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord. Now watch this. He was fearful. But then. He did something immediately. Pop that up in the King James Version. I like the way the KJV reads in this particular text. Okay, Uh, It's it's critically important. Watch what Jehoshaphat does. And this is a pattern for us guys. First of all, identify who the enemy is. He found out who was coming against him. And there are times in our life, guys, that that we got to realize that sometimes it's it's not the devil sending anybody. It's our own attitude. You ever blame the devil for something that he ain't had anything to do with? Huh? You ever blame the devil for being overweight? I, 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 don't, I don't, you know, come on now. You can't cast out calories out of the cake. The devil is a liar. Devil ain't got nothing to do with that. That's, that's us. That's our habits. Huh? Okay. Is that a sore spot for some of y'all? Can we have a counseling session right now? I want to help you because I'm counseling myself too. Yvonne and I were talking today. She said, "She said, I mean, I've been running all these things." I said, I, and "I was out running and walking while I was talking to her." And we both agree mutually that our problem isn't the exercise. Our problem is is how we eat. Then we had just had this conversation. Now, I can't blame the devil for for me. Eating late at night or me, um, you know, you know, eating certain types of food that, that are, are more prone to producing uh, a weight gain or uh, more prone to, um, you know, keep me from from losing weight. You know, I'm, I'm sitting there and, and, you know, you know, exercising to maintain. Any of y'all ever exercise just to maintain? I think the, yeah, I, I, let me get off of that because some of y'all are like y'all looking at me like, Pastor, you don't need to go there. Uh, but what I'm telling you is the devil is not in everything. Some of it's our attitude. Some of, some of it is our flesh. 
Are you with me today? Most of us, if we're really honest about it, if we really are, are, are transparent, most of us are not even doing that much in our spiritual walk for the devil to take our time to come address us. When's the last time you witnessed somebody? Well, you know, been 15 years. Well, okay. When's the last time you really dug in and began to uh, to to follow God's will and plan for your life. You know, guys, let me tell you something. The enemy, the devil can, can only be at one place at one time. He has demonic spirits that he sends about, but he can only be one place at one time. How do I know that? Because he was walking to and fro in the earth, trying to find someone he can devour. All right? So, 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 so most of the time, it's us dealing with us. Come on, can we be honest about it? Most of the time, it's us having to deal with our attitude, our approach to life, our unwillingness to surrender our will to God's will. And that's just us. All right? Now, I'm not saying that we don't have the enemy, because we do. And, and the enemy and spirits can get behind people, but a lot of times, it's us battling us. But watch, watch what he says. And Jehoshaphat feared and did what? He set himself to do what? To seek the Lord. Immediately after he feared, after sudden fear came. Let, let's go. Y'all, I quote it all the time. I quote it for you. Write it down. Proverbs 3, 25 and 26 says, be not afraid of what? Sudden fear. Neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. For the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy feet from being taken. Amen. Guys, typically when we see a big problem, we panic. And we become unsure of what's going to happen. And fear begins to rise up on the inside. Sudden fear. That's what happened. He says he feared, but he, he did something immediately. I, I, I commend Jehoshaphat for immediately he set himself to seek the Lord. In other words, he had to get his eyes off of what was happening around him. The sudden fear that was rising up in his heart. And he put his eyes on the Lord. And guys, in your life, I don't care what you're facing, you got to set your eyes on the Lord. Put that back up one more time. Second Chronicles 20, verse number three. And I want you all to read it with me out loud on purpose. It says what? And Jehoshaphat feared. But watch what he does. And is a conjunctive word. Conjunction, junction. What's your function? I got anybody past 40 who know what I'm talking about. Come on now. It, it's hooking up phrases to create a sentence. So the and is a conjunction. He feared and he did something else. See, he feared and he did what, Gary? He set himself. When fear arises, and, and fear will come, guys, but set yourself when fear comes. Set yourself. That was put your eyes on the one who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. Set your mind on things above. In other words, what do you mean by that, Pastor? What I mean by that is when I'm facing a problem, I got to go to the book and find out what God says about the problem. And I got to put my eyes on the word of God, which produces the faith that I need to overcome this battle that I'm in the middle of. Are y'all tracking with me today? Again, 2 Timothy 1 and 7 says, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a Sound mind. Timothy, when Paul told him that, was experiencing intense opposition to his message and to himself as a leader. He was young, 
and, 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 and he was a young man and his association with Paul and his leadership had come under fire from believers and non-believers alike. And so Paul urged him to, to be bold. When we allow people to intimidate us, we, we neutralize our effectiveness for God. Don't let people intimidate you. You are who God made you, you to be. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are God's vessel. You got power of the Holy Ghost abiding on the inside of you. When we allow people to intimidate us, we neutralize our effectiveness for God. The power of the Holy Spirit can help us to overcome our fear of what some might say or do to us so we can continue to do God's work. The Holy Spirit on the inside of us will keep us. All right. So 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 watch it. So so the first thing that he does is he identifies the enemy. First of all, find out who the enemy is. Is it you? Because the enemy sometimes is us. And we're trying to blame everybody else. It's amazing to me how this process tends to work. In other words, we, we, we tend to, to blame those who are closest to us. Am I right about those who, who love us the most? We tend to, to look at them, amen, and, and rather than, than, than looking at who the real enemy is. Is, is it us or is it a demonic spirit or, or who is it really? Is it that person? It's not really that person, but it's the spirit behind that person, okay? So identify the enemy. Second thing I want you to take a look at is this. After identifying the enemy, we want to, we want to admit our inadequacy. Admit your inadequacy. In other words, realize that, that, that all of us got some weaknesses. All of us have stuff that's not quite where it needs to be. Just touch yourself right over your heart and say, I'm not all the way right. Do it again because some of y'all didn't hear this. Say, I'm not all the way right. Say, God is still working on me. Yes, he is. So admit, admit your, your inadequacy. In other words, there's only one kind of person God doesn't help. Someone who doesn't think he needs help. I'm going to repeat that again. There's only one kind of person God doesn't help. Someone who, who doesn't think he needs help. Are y'all listening today? When we admit our inadequacy and ask for help, God can work on it. When we admit it, amen, Jehoshaphat was afraid because he was facing what seemed to be a hopeless situation. He's surrounded by Three enemy nations, outnumbered, outgunned. But I like what he did. He set himself to do what? To seek the Lord. Go, go with me, if you will. Um, and let's, let's begin our reading at uh, verse number 10. Go to verse number 10 right quick. Verse number 10. First, we want to identify the, the enemy and admit our inadequacy. Admit the fact that we can't do this alone. We need some help. Guys, for some reason, and I, I don't know, men especially, but, but we as believers sometimes are, re- are, are reluctant to receive help when we're dealing with a problematic situation. I don't know if it's pride. I don't know whatever, but uh, and I, I, I'm, I'm just as guilty as the next man. I got it. I, I'm, I'm taking care of you know, you, you may have to unload a whole truck, 
But you, you, you got it yourself. And if you get four brothers to help you unload, you can be you could you could have killed that time real quickly and got got through with it and went on to something else. But now you got it. You're going to do it yourself. We have a tendency to to resist help. Now, we'll give it right. And we'll say it's more blessed to give and receive. Many of us don't have a problem giving, but a lot of us have a problem receiving. Is that if y'all find it to be true? Now, some folks don't have a problem, but most people kind of, you know. Um, don't want you know. I got it. I'm good. I'm no, you're not good. I'm yeah, I'm, I am good. Hey man, no, no problem whatsoever. And you know you need that gas money. Holy Spirit told me to put this in your hand. Oh brother, you know I'm good. I'm good. But then you just pray last night for God. To make a way for you to be able to accomplish this thing, to be able to go the rest of this week uh, and putting gas in your vehicle. Sometimes we don't think about it. I, I thought about this one time. I was I was talking with a certain individual, and they, they mentioned to me about this. They're not no longer members here, but they said, you know, uh, but Pastor, I, I I would be coming more often, but you know, I don't have gas to get to Benton, and it, and it, it kind of struck me at the time. Uh, but sometimes I don't, I don't even think about when I'm going to have gas to put in the car. I just go. Put my shell card in there and, and fill it up, and, and I'm gone. And then when the bill comes in, I pay it off when the bill comes in. But everybody don't have a shell card. And everybody, when it gets to a fourth of a tank, can't just roll up in there in, in, until it's payday. I don't know why I said that, but I mean, but if the Holy Spirit prompts it in somebody's spirit to bless you, learn how to receive. And I'm learning. I, I, listen, guys, I am learning how to receive. I'm, I, Darcy's still working on me on that. I, I'll be honest with you. Because sometimes I'm like, oh, just go bless somebody else. No. If God places it in your spirit to bless somebody, learn how to receive. Am I right about it? Learn how to receive. Because sometimes it's our pride that don't want to admit that we need help. It's our pride that don't want to admit that we have marital problems and we need somebody to come in and help mediate this from a biblical perspective and not take sides, but tell you what the word of God says. Tell you what your responsibility as a husband is. Tell you what your responsibility as a wife is based on what the word of God says and, 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 and not take sides. But you won't come until she ready to leave. And pack up. I already called it an attorney. And now you want to call me. Wouldn't it be better when you start to see some things fraying at the edges? Well, you say, well, we need to go in and talk to somebody and see if, if we can, you know, can, 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 can work on this thing. If it gets to that point. Okay. Here's what I believe. I believe, I believe that God should be growing you in your Christian faith individually and your marital situation to the point to where you learn how to handle your problems by going to the word and addressing the word and learning what we taught in our marriage fellowship. Oh, but you don't ever come to marriage fellowship. Oh, okay. But let, let, all right, but you, know, you, you did come. So now, now that you came, let's apply this stuff 
in our marriage to where we can grow up to the point to where when something happens, when the enemy tries to step in and, and discombobulate us, we immediately go back to what we were taught and we deal with that thing from a biblical perspective. I think we ought to be mature enough to where we get to the point to where we can grow and handle anything the enemy throws our way. I don't think we should always be in the, in the, in the baby stage where we can't handle things that come our way. But if things are coming your way and you can't handle it, don't be afraid to say, listen, let's, let's, let's get another brother or sister in to help us to, to properly view this thing. Amen? But you got to be willing to receive. All right? Pride will stop you from doing that. Okay? So admit your inadequacy. Now, look, at, look at this right quick. Verse 10. Come on, y'all ready? Read. And now see what the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. You were not let, now. Here, here's Jehoshaphat still talking to God. He's, he's he's just putting God in remembrance of what He's already done in their life in their history. It's great to remember what the Lord has already done for you. It's good to baby look back twenty five years or thirty years and say, "Listen, you know what? I faced a similar situation twenty five years ago, and God, you came through and made a way out of no way." And God, you did it 25 years ago. I know you can do it, do it today. Don't ever forget what the Lord has done for you. And that's what Jehoshaphat is doing. He says, and now see what the armies of Moab, Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. You will not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and did not destroy them. Some of the people that didn't, he didn't allow to destroy are now coming against them. Now, now see how they reward us. God, you... Here's what would happen. See, when God's, when, when, when you're a part of God's family, the nation of Israel, God says he'll bless those who bless Israel. I don't care what the United States does, but the United States better keep on blessing Israel. All right? That's God's people. God's still going to deal with them as a nation, but right now he's working through the church. But we as a church are to support what Israel does. That's still God's people. And so God blesses those who bless his people. He curses those who curse his people. Have you, have you ever thought about this for a second? Israel is surrounded. A little tiny Israel is surrounded by Arab nations who by and large, most of them want to wipe them off the face of the earth. Some of them even in, the, in their doctrines and their constitution uh, have uh, as a part of their goal is to eliminate Israel. But here a little old, tiny Israel is sitting right there in the middle of these enemy nations and they can't touch it. You know why? They're God's people. Huh? They're God's people. And God, God will take the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. God will take that thing that is small and insignificant and do wondrous things through it so that he can get the glory out of it. That's the reason why God oftentimes uses a remnant. Huh? God will take a church where only, well, I don't know, he'll, he'll take a church where, where maybe only half the people are tithing, or maybe, maybe even 30% of the people are tithing, and do more with that. Huh? Than a church full of rich people. God is a supernatural God. And so we need to understand, watch what he says, now see how they reward us, for they have come to throw us out of your land. I like what Joseph has said, they come to throw us out of your land, God which you gave us as an inheritance. Verse 12, watch this. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. Guys, let me tell you something. When you don't know what to do, you better look to Jesus. 
when you have no clue about what direction to go in, what choice and decision to make, look to Jesus. Now, when I say look to Jesus, I don't mean just come to church. Looking to Jesus means that I'm going to go to his word and find a command, a precept, a, a principle that I, that's outlined in the Holy Scripture that deal with my situation. Are you following me today? That's what I'm going to do. He says, but we are looking to you for help. We're looking to you for help because all of our help comes from the Lord. We need to get our eyes focused on the Lord. After admitting that he and his counselors didn't know what to do, he prayed, but our eyes are upon you, God. We're looking to you, amen. Too often we have our eyes on everything except the one who can solve our problems. If we keep our eyes on the Lord, we will win out over our circumstances. So you got to, first thing, you know, identify the enemy, admit that you are inadequate to deal with the situation on your own. You don't have the wisdom. You don't have the resources. You don't have the strength to do it on your own. Third thing, take it to the Lord. Everybody say, take it to the Lord. All right. Take it to the Lord. Prayer ought to be the first weapon we use, not the last. It ought to be the first weapon we use when we face the battles of life, guys. In the midst of this crisis, Jehoshaphat proclaimed a fast and had all the people come together to seek out the Lord. Go to the Lord in prayer. Now watch this, watch this. Jesus fought the biggest battles in life, which y'all agree. And he also prayed the most. Let's run through the scripture right quick. Go to Mark 6, chapter, verse number 46. Mark 6 and 46. Mark 6 and 46. Glory to God. Watch this right quick. Mark the 6th chapter, verse number 46. Prayer has to become a part of our daily spiritual regimen. Here's what I'm afraid of. Many of us fail to pray regularly or pray with a, with, with a level of intensity and in believing that what we're praying about is going to come to pass. Jesus had this down right. He's the Messiah. He was God in human, wrapped in human flesh, yet he recognized the need to pray. Jesus fought the biggest battles in life, but he also prayed the most. The text says, after telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills, what? By himself to pray. Get you a solitary place around your house. If you had to go to the backyard and, and sit, on a, sit on a bench or whatever, go, go somewhere where you can be alone and pray, where the children can't get to you, your husband can't get to you, your wife can't get to you. Go somewhere alone and get before God and begin to pray. Go to Luke, the sixth chapter, verse number 12 through 13. Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 13. Jesus prayed. And sometimes we, I think sometimes we don't realize the, the, the importance of being able to pray, the privilege of being able to pray. It says one day soon after Jesus went up on a mountain to pray and he prayed to God, what? He prayed to God all night. He says he continued all night in prayer to God. Next verse, verse 13. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be apostles. And then he begins to name them. 
So prior to making this monumental decision to decide who are going to be these original 12 apostles, Jesus prayed all night long. How long did you pray before you made a decision to buy that car? How long did you pray before you made a decision to move here or take this job here? How long did you pray or did you pray at all before you went and purchased those outfits? Did you pray over your meal? I just simple stuff. How long did you pray before you decided this is the place that God wants me to be? This is my church home. Or did you just walk in and the choir, choir sounded good? And the ushers were dressed sharp and you say, that's my church. <laughs> Did you pray? I asked everybody before they come, I said, listen, when you come to unite with the church, I want to know, do you, in your heart of hearts, do you really feel like and sense that the Holy Spirit is calling you to be a part of this church? And, and if you're not sure about that, that's okay. Keep coming, but don't come and join until you're very sure. Because I want you to be moved by the Holy Spirit. In Mark chapter 1, verse number 35, I'm going to read that for you. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he, meaning Jesus, went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Jesus was a constant, he was constantly in prayer, okay? So, so take it to the Lord. Take it to the Lord. Whatever decision that you have to make, take it to the Lord. Take, take it to God first before you start asking all those opinions. Now, I do believe that the Bible says this, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So seeking wise advice is, 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 is advisable. But first and foremost, go to the Lord yourself. Amen? If I don't know anything about electrician, I'm trying to fix something around the house, I need to call an electrician before I flew around and shock myself to death. Or whatever it is, it's okay to call people who have wisdom and insight and understanding in that area. Okay? Fourth thing I want you to write down. Glory to God. Are y'all still with me? Rest in faith. Everybody say rest in faith. Go to 2 Chronicles, the 20th chapter. And we'll look at verse number 15. Many Christians are totally worn out because they're trying to fight God's battles in their own strength. Trying to fight God's battle in their own strength. Listen to this carefully. It's never God's will for us to run from a difficult situation. If we do run, the situation will only follow and catch up with us farther down the line. Learn how to fight your battles. The choir was singing this song. I hear it sometimes played on the radio. This is how I fight my battles. And, and, and there's a line that says, it, it looks like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Has it ever looked like you've been surrounded by problems? Has it ever looked like you've been surrounded by the enemy? Has it ever looked like you've been surrounded by hopelessness? But you look up and you say, I'm surrounded. It may look like I'm surrounded, but God, I'm surrounded by you. No matter where you are, we know God says he'll never leave us nor forsake us, Eric. So because we know that, even though it looks this way, I know God is still with me. Come on now. Resting in faith, okay? Quit running from difficult situations and stand in faith and allow God to take you through it. 
Some things that come into our life, we aren't going to be able to escape. Amen? Some things we got to faith our way through it. Are you with me today? Living by faith in God takes the pressure off us. And it allows us to enjoy life, all of life, in a greater way. Go, let's pop up, pop up uh, 2 Chronicles 20 and 15 with me right, for me right quick. Let's look at, it says what? He said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat, man of God saying, this is what the Lord says. When the Lord says this, let's take him at his word. He says what? Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. See, that's what we got to realize. If we belong to God, if we're part of God's family, whenever we deal with something, God is there to help us through it. The battle is not yours, but it belongs to whom God. All right, watch, 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 watch. If the battle belongs to God, that means that he's going to take care of it. Am I right about it? If the battle belongs to God, that means he is going to take care of it. Let's keep reading right quick. Come on, verse 16. It says what? Uh, Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens up into the wilderness of Jerusalem. Now, he's, he's surrounded by how many nations? Three enemy nations. They're outnumbered. But here we got a battle plan from God. Let me tell you something. God's battle plan for your life may be different than your cousin them. God's way of handling your situation may be different from your family's way of handling it or your, 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 your frat brother's way of handling it. God's way of handling it is oftentimes in direct contrast to the way we would handle it in our own flesh. Watch what God tells them. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions. Then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against him tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Don't be afraid. He keeps telling them. God, the one command that's repeated most often in the Bible, Brenda, is be not afraid. Why does God keep telling us to not be afraid? Why does God keep telling us don't be discouraged? Because he understands that there's a, we have a propensity, a, a, a tendency, we have, we have, we have, we have the, 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 the mindset to, to look at what's happening and it produces fear in our heart. And fear and faith cannot coexist in the same heart. 18, come on, watch this. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same. They followed the leader. They, they bowed low. Sometimes you got to go down to your knees. Get about that chair and get down on your knees. Get on your face and lay, lay out before the Lord and cry out to him. Amen. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Verse 19, let's read. Then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. They start shouting, they start singing. Look who says, early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa on the way. Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me. All you people of Judah and Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. Believe in his representatives, that's what he's saying, and you'll succeed. 21, let's go. This is what? After consulting the people, the king anointed singers 
to walk ahead of the army. This is this, this, this battle plan just blows my mind. He sends the choir out first. Come on, choir members. Are y'all ready to go out and face those tanks? Huh? Y'all were singing, Father, 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 we praise you. That's M16 pointing at you. I want to know when you're still singing. Come on, choir members. I bet you have folk quitting the choir. Uh, Sister Maria, I, I, I think the, the choir ain't my ministry no more. I feel led to go to the nursery. <laughs> Watch this. The, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sing. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. 22, come on, let's read. It says, At the very moment they begin to sing and give praise, the Lord calls the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. Yo, God will discombobulate your, your enemy's mind. He'll make them start shooting at your own self. Look at this. They start attacking each other because the Lord confused them. The Lord will confuse your enemy. He'll make your enemy your footstool. That's why I read somewhere up in there, right? At the very moment they begin to sing and give praise. Some stuff I've discovered, you got to praise your way through. You got to praise and sing your way through some heartache you're going through. Don't let the enemy get you down. Don't start looking at your problems and start getting discouraged. But say, God, I thank you for being a good God. You are the God who gives me power and gives me strength. You are my soon-coming king. Watch this. At the very moment they begin to sing and praise, the Lord calls the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. Look at the, de- look at the next, next verse. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. 24 says, what? So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemies had escaped. Let me tell you something. When you learn how to seek God, he'll, he'll destroy your enemy. 25, not all they did was be obedient and start singing. And when they start singing and praising God, look at this. Next verse. Come on. Watch this. King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. To the victor goes what? The spoils. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. Now listen, this is God at work. Now watch this. But they had to rest in faith and know that what God told them was true. Living by faith in God takes the pressure off us and allows us to enjoy all of life in a greater way. Faith is God's will, y'all. Hebrews 11, and you can pop it up if you can catch me, Jay. Hebrews 11, 6 says, but without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The B part of Romans, the 14th chapter, verse number 23 says, for whatsoever is not of faith is what? Sin. That's what it says. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Romans 1 and 17 says that righteousness is revealed in God's word and that it leads us from faith to faith. In other words, we should be in faith at all times. It should be our lifestyle. Resting in faith, 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 faith. What is faith, but Pastor? I'm glad you asked. Faith is trusting in what God says in his word, even though you may not have any evidence of its reality. 
Are you with me? Faith is what connects us to an all-powerful God. When we fail to depend on God's dependability, we cancel out faith, which brings two tragic results. When we don't have faith, it brings powerlessness and hopelessness. Go to, Rome, go to Hebrews 11 and 1 with me right quick. Come on, hurry, hurry. Got to get you there. Hebrews 11 and 1. Watch this. So faith, faith, is, faith is knowing something is true without having physical evidence. Watch this now. Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. One writer put his way, he says, faith is the title deed. See, when you buy a house, Nancy, you and Tyrone just bought a house, right? And, and, and y'all had to sign some papers. And in all those papers, well, you had to sign the deed, you know, cash sale deed. I mean, that person transferred ownership from them to you. And that was, that was, that was proof that that house belonged to you. Now, listen, listen, even before you even got there to the house, and move your stuff in. That title deed says it belongs to you. Faith is the confidence. It's the title deed that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. If you can see it, it ain't faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews eleven six. For he that cometh to God must believe that God is, and he's a reward of those who do what? Diligently seek him. So it gives us assurance about things that we cannot see. Do you really honestly think that there was not a little bit of fear in some of those singers who had to get to the front of the battle and start singing? Do you honestly believe, do you honestly believe that even when Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and they were told to march around that city one time a day without saying a word, and then on the seventh day you march around seven times and y'all shout and the walls will come tumbling down. Leroy, what kind of battle plan is that? But it was God's battle. It, made, it didn't make sense to me. But if God said do it, I'm going to do it. Because God is looking for us to trust him. Uh, go to Colossians 1 and 4 right quick. Colossians 1 and 4. Hurry, hurry. Colossians 1 and 4. So you have to rest in faith. Rest in faith. And the last thing we got to do, we got to thank God in advance. Thank him in advance. Before you ever sin, you got to start thanking him for it. We serve a God, the Bible says he's a God that calleth those things that are not as though they already are. So you got to start speaking what you believe in God for. Hello? Whoever went to college and said, I ain't going to graduate. Oh, that, that's for you got delivered, baby. I ain't going to tell all your business. <laughs> Marissa, I went, I did. She, Marissa went to school. She really didn't, she didn't really want to go to school. My mama made it, but not you, aren't you glad your mama made you? Yeah. But you, when you go down there, you think, you say, you say to yourself, listen, I'm going to go through this curriculum, and in four or five years, I'm going to graduate. That has to be your goal. Now, I, I realize some folks go out there, and they, 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 just, they go to party. All right, if you go just to party, you're going to be a one and done, and I'm not talking about going to the NBA either. You follow me? But you got to say to yourself, you got to speak what you believe in. For we have heard of your faith, Paul tells the church of Colossae, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people. Verse 5, read it, says what? Which comes from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. 
a confident hope. You have you had you have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. What are you expecting? Faith should produce a level of expectation about what you believe in God for. A.W. Tozer said this is true faith is never found alone. He said it is always accompanied by expectation. The man who believes the promises of God expects to see them fulfilled. Where there is no expectation, there is no faith. If you're born again, you've been dealt the measure of faith, but you got to work it. Everybody say work it. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you got to work that faith. Let me, let me show you this. I'm going to let you go. Okay, so we got to thank him in advance, right? If, if you are a Christian, you have faith, but it may need to grow, and that, and that happens when you use it. Little faith can become great faith as you step out on the promises of God. There was a, 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 a tightrope walker uh, who's considered one of the world's greatest daredevils. And he went by the name of the Great Blondin. And the Great Blondin would startle crowds with his death-defying uh, tightrope act over Niagara Falls. And, uh, uh, and so one of the things that he would do, he, he would taunt the crowds uh, that were gathered by saying, who believes that I can push this, this, this cart over the falls on the rope? And people who've seen him do it before would raise their hand and, 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 and gladly because they saw him do it before. And, and then what he would do is he said, if you really believe that, then won't you get in the cart and I'll push you across. See, everybody's talking about they believe God. But how many of y'all are going to get on that tightrope going across Niagara Falls? How many... Hundreds of feet up in the air. I mean, I wouldn't get on a tight rope if it was this high off the ground. Are you following me? And let alone being pushed. And, and so, so, guys, sometimes we say we believe stuff and we don't really believe it. There's a story told about a man who fell off a cliff. Y'all may have heard this, but managed to grab hold to a, a tree limb on the way down. And the following conversation ensued. He says, anyone up there? And God says, I'm here. I'm the Lord. Do you believe in me? Yes, Lord, I believe. I really believe. But I can't hang on much longer, God. And then God said, that's all right. If you really believe, you have nothing to worry about. I will save you. Just let go of the branch. Man, pause for a second. Is anybody else up there? See, sometimes... We say we believe God, but we're not willing to let go on his command. When God tells us to do something, when you see his word and you see a principle of command his word, the only way you're going to have faith is you got to step out and be obedient to that word or that command that's in the book. Faith cometh by hearing by the word of God. So five principles right there as we close out. Y'all saw what happened with Josephat, how they experienced victory. First thing I told you was what? You got to identify the enemy. Sometimes it's us. Quit blaming other people for, your, for, for, you, for you. It's your attitude. Hello? It's your unwillingness to discipline yourself. Sometimes it's us. Sometimes it can be the devil. Sometimes it can be demonic spirits. 
Identify who the enemy is. Okay? Second thing I tell you is what? Admit that you're inadequate. You don't, none of us have it all together. None of us have all the strength and all the power and all the wisdom. We need some help. Third thing. Take it to the Lord. First thing y'all do, take it to the Lord in prayer. That's what Jesus did. He prayed consistently. He prayed all night before choosing 12 apostles. And even with that, one of them was a crook. But he prayed. Fourth thing, what? Rest in faith. In other words, see what God's word says. Stand on that. Confess that. And, 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 and watch God begin to work in you. Lastly, do what? Thank him in advance. You got to start speaking what you believe in God for. Already start. Lord, I thank you right now. That Lord, right now, my body's in need of healing. And Lord, I don't see it right now. Uh, I'm feeling sort of bad, but God, I believe that you are the divine healer. You are the one who healeth me, and I'm going to stand in faith. And God, whether you heal me here or heal me over there, I'm going to trust you are the divine healer. Lord, I, I'm in, I, Lord right now, I, I, I'm in a financial bind. I need, a, I need a breakthrough, God. I don't, you know what's coming up to do right now. I got to get that thing fixed, and I don't have the resources to get it done. But Lord, I believe that you're going to provide the way of getting it done. And all of a sudden, you get a ring from the guy who works at, hey, we need somebody to work overtime for the next three days. Are you willing to come in and work? Don't, don't hang up the phone. That was God answering your prayer. You got time and a half, then on Sunday, you got double time. They still do that? God will make a way. Make the right choice. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you.